Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2007 film Waitress. Um, So please be aware that this podcast does contain light plot spoilers for the film Waitress. Enjoy. Hello, hello, you all right? Hey, buddy, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Let me I just grab my stuff. See your face this time, or at least your, yes, your hair. That's cool. Hair. That's exciting. Yeah. I don't know why it's... Um, I don't know why it didn't show my face last time and it's doing this time. That's so, all right. Nothing wrong with that. How are you today? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Had a good day at work. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, episode two already. Can you believe it? Yeah. I know it's been. Yeah, it's been. been. Look at me. Did you ever listen to that version where it's all made up of samples of the? It's been. No, no, I didn't. Okay, well, it's it's in the show notes yeah. of episode one, so you have to go back and listen to that. Do I you need to get... like go back and listen to your own your old own podcasts ever? Um, I did do for um, one hour stories because I wanted to um, to to get some more sort of like ideas about how I could improve my writing and stuff like that. And it's quite interesting listening to the ways that you and Rob Sherman tell your stories like in person. Yeah, I um I did the same thing with that as well. Actually, um, it yeah it was really good for my creative practice to kind of revisit old work. Yeah, definitely. And um, I've also listened back to, um, I, well, as I, I produced the episodes for this show, so I have actually enjoy going back and listening to those. That's always fun. And I've listened back to the episodes of The Sherman Report, which is my podcast oh, yes. with Rob Sherman, and laughing at my own genius, obviously. That's always fun. <laughs> That's a big part of it as well, I think, is, you know, oh, I said something funny. Better go back and listen to that, that brief moment of hilarity that I... Yeah, exactly. Or that that whole hour of hilarity, our last episode, obviously. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, so this is episode two. Um, We decided to flip a coin and then one of us would start and then we'd each choose a film each time. So I I must admit, I kind of panicked a bit and chose Waitress because it was at the top of the list. But also, out of a kind of personal interest in wanting to see it anyway and trying to tie it in, um, because I've been listening to the soundtrack to the musical a lot and was keen to get to the source of the um, the source of the adaptation and yeah, get right to the to the film and to see it. When it occurred to me after a conversation that we had offline that maybe we should be doing some more kind of classic type films at this stage, uh, but we can rectify that with the next few. But anyway, yeah, I think I think it's nice to do something a little bit lesser known anyway. Yeah, definitely. And it was good, I think, to go from watching a film that we'd both seen many times to watching a film that neither of us had seen as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's good to see something fresh. It's yeah. been a while since I watched a new romantic movie. Yeah, me too, actually. I think 
I don't think I've been to see a new romantic movie since we went to see La La Land in the cinema, I guess. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? I have a confession. I have not seen La La Land yet. Okay, well, that's good because it, it's on the list as one that I wanted to talk oh, about. Oh, there we it's, go. Yeah, it's inspired a lot of a lot of critique and debate and stuff recently. But we'll save that for another episode because right now we're going to talk about Waitress, the 2007 film. So when you I first put this to you, you said oh, that's the one with Nathan Fillion and, and like you'd actually heard of it. And I didn't say it at the time, but in my head, I confused Nathan Fillion with Nathan Fielder. Are you aware I of don't... Nathan Fielder? No, who's Nathan Fielder? He is a comedian, also Canadian. Just going to say, oh, so yeah. that automatically makes him good because Canada is the best. Um, he's a very, very funny comedian. Um, he had a show on Comedy Central a few years ago called Nathan For You, and it was like a real show real life show where he would give like bad business advice to struggling businesses um and there's the most famous one is called dumb starbucks i'll put it in the in the show notes but he gets a um a struggling coffee shop down the road from a starbucks to rebrand itself as dumb starbucks to get the brand recognition from starbucks <laughs> through parody law and he's really kind of deadpan and serious and actually he even looks and sounds a little bit like nathan fillion so i'm i'm not 100 percent convinced that they aren't the same person <laughs> maybe maybe yeah so in, but that, i then realized obviously after we started it that it was a different person whose work i actually wasn't aware of before i wasn't aware of any of the actors in this film at all oh right okay um the the other person that stood out for me when watching it was jeremy sisto who um he was who earl. plays the yeah earl the horrible 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 oh. pathetic nasty husband so awful. um who's who's and and jeremy sister is really good at playing those nasty characters in rom-coms it yeah. seems because he appears in a few like in clueless he's the sort of douchey douchey boyfriend material type right. person as well see I, i've seen clueless but i think i've only seen it once um, that oh really it's been added to the list by the way Yes, that needs that needs to happen. Bit of clueless, and I can't remember anything that happened in it. So obviously, it didn't really go in. <laughs> it's 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 clueless is another one of those fantastic, um, fantastic sort of adaptations, um, and it's just full of instantly quotable and memorable moments. Um, yeah, it's a bit like Ten Things I Hate About You in that respect, isn't it? When yeah, was, when was yeah. it made? Um, I think it was a bit earlier. It must have been mid mid nineties instead of late nineties. I think. Cool. That sounds about right. Oh, so Jeremy Sisto is in that. Good name. I think he he looks a bit like someone beat up Seth Rogen. <laughs> Put slightly through a food processor. Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah, just slightly. Um, so yeah, waitress. It's odd because it was made in 2007, but it looks like it honestly could have been made in like the 70s, I guess. It was really kind of old looking. Yeah, it doesn't. It's kind of got that timeless quality to it where there's no real. um, There's nothing that really defines the time period that it could have been in. And it's got all of these quite sort of like retro um, stylings to it and sort of outdated technology and everything like that. So you're right; it does feel like it could have been an older film than it actually was. Yeah, and I, I find I found that that lent it a certain charm, at least visually, if not necessarily to do with the the settings and the plot and everything, because the story itself could have been like set in any time period or anything really. Um, and I, I, yeah, that that gave it a definitely a certain charm for me. Yeah, definitely. It's it's nice that it's got this kind of um, 
yeah this kind of timeless quality to it it's 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 interesting that it's got this story that could have been told at any given moment there's nothing that really ties it to any thing apart from the the people in it and the the stories that they tell yeah and it the even down to stuff like the cars and the buses and stuff there's no yeah that you couldn't really necessarily date them or they look old and shit because they're obviously in like a rubbish town but um there's the bit when Earl buys the video camera and that I think dates it in a really curious way um probably mm. without meaning to and it's not really clear why but it's like Oh, once I get some money, I'm going to buy a video camera, which seems really, I guess, sort of 80s, I guess. Like, you, you want to buy a video camera so you can record moments in your family. And that's a moment of sort of weird, misplaced tenderness from, from him as a character that was quite incongruous. Yeah, it's an, he's an interesting character in that there's this nasty, horrible streak to him, but it's kind of sort of underneath it there's this weird um pathetic feel of trying to have some kind of normalcy so like he's a real nasty piece of work um but then as soon as he finds out um that his wife is pregnant he then sort of vaguely turns over a new leaf but not really but he has that kind of facade of being like oh yes we'll put money towards the baby and i think that's another sign of it is like oh yeah we'll get a video camera and we can record all of these family moments but really it's more sort of like what he perceives a family unit to be like more than how it actually functions in reality yeah and he goes um he goes don't you go loving that baby more than me which is like really fucked up that's such a weird thing to say it's like you know and then he has this weird little speech about how women when they have the baby love the baby more than the husband which is just so strange i don't know whether that, what that's supposed to be saying yeah it's it's weird obsessive useless violent man yeah, I mean the the it's... violence. Can we talk about that? Because that's really it was really horrible to watch. Actually, honestly, I think mm. because the film was in, even though it was um, a fantasy and it had this sort of charm and effervescence, and there was all like the pies with the cute music and the cute diner and everything. Um, that because the pace of it was quite slow and there wasn't that much incidental music and a lot of the dialogue was sort of wooden and in a way. Um, there was a certain realism to the the dialogue and the way they approached it that when he hit her in the face, it just felt really real. And I really recoiled from it and thought, oh, yeah, it made me feel sick. Yeah, the whole sort of tone of the film made those moments incredibly nasty. Um, because sort of when you go into this movie, having never seen it before and just knowing that it was a, a, a romantic movie um, about someone who makes pies in a diner um i sort of thought like within within 20 minutes i think they've mentioned this pie cooking competition and i in the back of my head i was like oh right okay so she's gonna find the confidence from somewhere to go and take part in this pie competition and she's gonna win it and then she's gonna open her own like pie shop and all of that kind of stuff it was chekhov's pie chekhov's pie (laughs) and under the table ticking pie under the table (laughs) Um, but yeah, so it's quite interesting that it doesn't really follow what the sort of route that you expected to take. And you're right that in those moments, you, you get all of these sort of in, in a lesser movie, it would have glossed over the fact that he's a controlling husband without it ever seeming like there's a real threat. And it would have glossed over Nathan Fillion being an adulterer 
mm-hmm. without really dealing with the morals of it. I mean, it, it could have quite easily been that he didn't have a wife, which kind of would have added some kind of moral lightness to the situation. Yeah, I, I think it's quite nice that they didn't do any of that. Yeah, that that those kind of those elements of it were unexpected in the right way. Although I feel like he the the him having a wife was more of a get out at the end tying things up because it was logical. I think the message at the end that they wanted to get across was that she don't need no man, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. So she can't be with him because he's going to go and be with his wife. Although I suppose yeah, I mean, if he hadn't been married, would they have got together in the end? It's it's hard to say, hard to speculate about that kind of thing, but I feel like they probably would have done. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting that, like, he would have continued it, but Jenna makes that decision to end it all. And it's quite nice that they did it that way around, instead of it being some sort of mutual, oh, the time is right for this to end. Yeah, and it's it's all on her terms. So um, the ending it wraps it up quite nicely. Um, it's yeah, it's she she decides to get rid of Earl. He he sort of obviously just dis- just disappears after she tells him to go away, even though he has to be bundled out of the room. But him being bundled out of the room is symbolic enough, I guess. You worry that he would have come back and smashed up the diner. Although the the moment when he comes to the wedding to come and get her and tell her he's upset. I think it's just a bit where they obviously shot it wrong, couldn't get it right or something, but he walks in and it's like he doesn't know what to do and then he picks up the chair and just sort of flops it over and that kind of made me laugh in a really absurd, awful way because obviously he's being violent and horrible but it was kind of a weak gesture. Yeah, I can't tell if it's if it's sort of a deliberate choice to make it seem as pathetic as possible because everybody else kind of reacts in a shocked way to it. Yeah. Whereas in... in perhaps in real life if this guy did that you kind of just be like what's he doing yeah he's, he's, he's having a little tantrum what's your beef with the um, chair but, but it, it worked very well for his character because it sort of summed up how he can't even cause a scene at a wedding very well yeah and i mean <laughs> that's so true any, actually any self-respecting man child can cause a scene at a wedding you know yeah. You're just going to start making trumpet noises during the speeches. <laughs> hey, don't be getting any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and Rob Sherman already have it planned, I'm afraid. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really excited about that. But yeah, he's it adds to the, the, the pathos of his character because there is a certain element of pathos there, but obviously you ultimately you know that he's a violent, horrible, awful man and you're very, very glad that he ends up on his own. But yeah, the bit when after that he takes her home and he's holding her and he's crying and you just think, oh, you know, he is so such an utterly pathetic and useless slime ball of a character, and that the crying only adds to you hating him rather than being sympathetic to him, even though that is a form of pathos, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it's a very well done character. It could have been done in a much less interesting way. Um, in a in a lesser movie, yeah, definitely. He was the the least cod character, and definitely the most interesting character. Actually, I think more interesting than the protagonist herself. Although she was she was very sort of peppy and cheery, and I identified a lot with the with the love of baking and the pies. As you know, I love Al- to bake. Although I didn't like the look of many of her pies. Is that blasphemy for me to say? No, I think there that's... was there was the odd one that looked bloody fantastic. But 
there was at the end when they had all the pies out on the side and like oh look at all these delicious bars i was like "Mm, i don't know i'm not too sure about that yeah i i don't know how much of the pie material was made of actual food a lot of it kind of looked like (laughs) play-doh it's yeah it's it uh they 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 um got a bargain deal on all of the leftover flubber from the set of that film and dyed oh. some of it and chucked it into some pie cases. Oh, when when was that made? Cuz that must have been Flubber. Uh, that must have been late 90s, I guess. Late 90s. So you're talking yeah. you're talking 10-year-old bits of flubber. Yeah. yeah. By by then the moving flubber is long dead. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah, what's the lifespan of a flubber? Oh, I don't know. It's. I mean, Flubber's almost like a kind of uh, Lovecraftian horror, isn't it? Really, like yeah. it, you can imagine it slumbering for thousands of years before being awakened by by a, a new Robin Williams, oh, and it shit. sort of rises into life and starts acting like the Blob. Yeah. See, now I'm imagining that it's going to come alive in the back of the kitchen in um, Lulu's pie shop and then start eating the pie shop. <laughs> and then all of the good work of waitress will have been undone because the pie shop gets eaten by a monster. This is what I call the, oh God, it burns. My pie is digesting me slowly and painfully pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the thing where she she names all of her pies or whatever situation she's in. She's, uh, she's like, I'm going to bake a... Uh, don't want to have a baby pie, which I thought was charming, but I could see how some people probably would find that irritating. I I loved it. I thought that was great. It really sort of broke up the movie quite well. You had all of these little sort of snippets into them, into Jenna's sort of internal thoughts. And I thought it was, yeah, very, very, a very cute little thing to add into the film that added quite a lot to it. Yeah, it was very cute. It was, it was, I hesitate to use the word quirky because it's a word that is often misplaced, but I think it's the right, kind of it's the right side of that line isn't it yeah yeah definitely so um, yeah, yeah she's got the pies oh sorry go on I interrupted but, you. but in general i thought jenna's character was quite nuanced you get sort of the, the way that she sort of handles the um the fact that she's having an affair i think there was that quite it was quite cleverly done um and you sort of got this internal struggle where when she's she's in a loveless marriage and then when she's with uh, Nathan Fillion as the doctor, she's got this happiness going on. But at the same time, she knows that what she's doing isn't right. And it's, yeah, I thought it was quite sensitively handled. And I think Kerry Russell put in a very good performance as her and sort of handled it very well herself. Yeah, definitely. I thought I thought her performance was really, really good. Um, she really looked the part. Her mannerisms were really good. Her dialogue was really good. And yeah, the best thing about it was that she wasn't passive when in those kind of roles it would be easy for the character to appear passive like oh she's she's not she's just going along with the relationship with her horrible husband and the job that she doesn't care about and that she's just having an affair with the doctor because he wants it like when they when they have that kind of awkward weird kiss where they jump on each other which is kind of charming um it does feel like she's invested in it she's not just letting it happen to her yeah, definitely. And I think it's very important that they have that in the film. Yeah, definitely. Although Nathan Fillion, his character is is actually kind of quite passive and weird, isn't he? His delivery Yeah, is... he's he's kind of the he's the manic pixie dream girl of the movie, really, isn't he? <laughs> that's so the that's way... so true actually. 
he, he sort of waltzes in out of a mysterious place. Isn't it Connecticut that he's yep, come from? he's from Connecticut, which means he's posh when the rest of them have southern accents. Yeah, and um, he sort of flounces in, says a few quirky things, shares some tales of, her, of his past that she finds endearing, and then I imagine disappears again at the end. Yeah, he, you never. He's not in the final scene in the diner, where you've got um, Adrienne Shelley herself. So she wrote the film and then also starred as um, Dawn, um, mm-hmm. and she th- she marries Ogie. Now, can we talk about that guy? Because, <laughs> well, firstly, what is Ogie short for, and how do you spell it? Because it's not Ogie. a name I've ever heard in real life. Didn't they, didn't they say that Ogie was short for Oklahoma? <laughs> I swear they said... Is that a line in the film? Yeah, I think that's one of the lines in I the film. I must have missed that, but that, that is hilarious. Yeah, I swear they said that. Is that like a, on, let me just... a joke about it being in the south and a southern state? We're going to name our kid Oklahoma. If I hope so, so. That is hilarious. I, sw- I swear I'm not making it up, unless I had a, 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 a manic dream halfway through. Um, but yeah, no, he... Um, but he's he's something else, isn't he? Yeah, and that that sort of subplot that really kind of lent absolutely nothing to the main plot and didn't really help it in any way, other than I think maybe to give Adrienne Shelley herself some screen time, which is great because she was it was a really really great performance. But yeah, the the message of that one is very very strange because initially she hates him and it's like he's a creep, and then suddenly she says, "Oh well, he just kind of won me over." And then they get, and then suddenly he's a sweet man, and they have they like have kid, loads of kids running around in the end scene, and it's like I was very confused by the message of that when it seemed so kind of anti patriarchal with the main storyline. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because it's like love isn't a war of attrition. I don't think I can. I don't think I can think of anybody who's been ground down into being in a relationship with someone and that it's works. You know. <laughs> No, me neither. Um, and yeah, so it's quite a strange... I, I think maybe his role and their role as a relationship was to show that... Um, a, that love comes from unexpected places. And B, it showed... It also showed Jenna that she shouldn't sort of settle for someone just because somebody else does. So Dawn seems quite happy being with being with Oklahoma. I, I don't know him well enough to use his shortened <laughs> Oklahoma name. Um, o- Oklahoma. Um, I'm an Augie. Um, he. <laughs> um, it's like hoagie, like what they call a big sandwich. Hoagie. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's his second name. Maybe his name is Oklahoma Sandwich. <laughs> So he can so called Ogie Hogie. So 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 he got shortened to Ogie, combining the two. Because um, because the other the other waitress, um, Becky, Becky, um, she also is in this passionate affair, and her her story it's never really properly talked about, but no. it's quite. It seems as though there's a lot going on back there. So she's got a husband who's got some kind of difficulties it's never really fully explained yeah um and it's sort of entering into this affair with um with cal the chef 
um, who I recognised from The Walking Dead. I don't know if you've ever seen The Walking oh, Dead. Oh, really? I've seen yeah. the first episode and I stopped after that. Not because it was bad, just because I didn't have time. But I've read most of the comics, so I might um, know the character that he plays, if not the actor I can't himself. remember the character. He's this guy who they meet in a um, in a prison. He's one of the inmates of a prison who survived and who joins up with their party. Oh, right. Um, what's his name? My memory um, of the characters now is hazy. It's been a while since I read it, but yeah, if, off off ten off off the track. Comics recommendation: Walking Dead, really good, much better than you might think, and very accessible. Even if you don't really like comics, could be quite a good introduction. Mm. For uh, he plays a character called Axel. Does Axel ring a bell to you from the comics? That doesn't ring any bells. It probably is in there, but he or, or he might be a character that's not in there. I've, I've not read very far into the comics. I only read the first um, the first uh, trade paperback of it. Cool. Um, but yeah, an aside here. But if you like The Walking Dead, play the Telltale Games Walking Dead game. I did play the first level of it's, that. That it's, was terrifying. It's, ama- it's amazing. It's one of the best video games I've ever played. So anyone who does like romantic movies, but also likes flesh-eating zombies, and likes video games, then get in on that because Perfect. yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Yeah, um, and it, you get it on like iPad as well. So it's yeah, yeah, it's really accessible on any device and. I, I am not a crier. I, I very rarely cry at anything. <laughs> well, um, so we all know you, big you, boys you, don't cry. You, you, will no, you will not hear me say over the course of this podcast that I, I have cried at any of these films. Um, but that game nearly made me cry at the end. Wow. It's a, it's a proper gut punch. Okay, um, you heard it here first. Rob cried at the Walking Dead game. Yeah, well, I didn't quite cry. I nearly did. Okay. But given that I'm an emotionless husk of a man... That's quite an achievement. <laughs> that's perfect for for doing a podcast. I think. I think that's what people want from their podcast hosts. I mean, imagine uh, if we were just weeping all the time. <laughs> yeah, they want an emotionless husk. No, no showing no emotions. Yeah, I'm the Spock. You're the Kirk. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Cal, he's an interesting character as well. Um, yeah, he's a he's he's rude, but also not in a overtly aggressive way i suppose he kind of just hates everybody well he has like two or three scenes but then so he's not he has very little screen time but then the last scene that he's in i think it's the last scene um uh jenna goes up to him and she says just it's kind of out of the blue and she goes cal are you happy and he sort of looks at her mm. and he goes I'm happy enough, you know, this things happen and I get by and I do things and whatever. And that's enough for me. Um, which struck me as incongruous, but incredibly Zen like, um, and I, I've studied Zen Buddhism a little bit and it's all about kind of trying to minimize desire and trying to end desire so that you can end suffering because suffer desire is suffering. And like Cal seems like he might be a bit of a secret Zen Buddhist in the kitchen there the the zen chef should we get the zen chef in on um on sensations oh my god okay yeah this is our sensations update that's good because i hadn't (laughs) i I hadn't thought of anything that we could add to the plot of sensations which um if you haven't listened to episode one and you don't know what sensations is go back and listen to it now but essentially it's a film that we're developing starring guy fieri and adam richman as love rivals 
and now we have an extra we have an extra guy cal is he going to be because we we might not be able to get vin diesel to be fair to be the it's kind of true character. so 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 maybe cal might be our answer as the kind of mr miyagi of the <laughs> competitive eating world <laughs> um, yeah you don't want to put yeah. wax on your pies though no that's true um although i i'm confident that we can get vin diesel in yeah i don't think he's up to much right now if we if we promise him um another um movie based around his dungeons and dragons characters then i think he'd be keen to do this as a favor did you did you know that did you know about vin diesel and dungeons and dragons by the way no you mean he's like the film with jeremy irons no, I mean the actual tabletop game. He is a huge fan, and no he plays way. it all the time. In fact, he um, has played Dungeons and Dragons in the same group as uh, Dame Judi Dench, who is what? also a Dungeons and Dragons nut. I had no idea about any of this. Yeah, and that's why they did a movie together based on his character out of his Dungeons and Dragons game. Wow, what's it called? Uh, the Last Witch Hunter, I think. I saw the. Or, I remember seeing the trailer for that. Although, actually, maybe no. I think she might have been in one of the Riddick movies instead. Oh. But yeah, the Last Witch Hunter is is based on his character. I think from one of his Dungeons and Dragons games. All right. Wow. Um, That's cool. But yeah, he's a, he's a massive fan of D and D. As is Dame Judi Dench. But I'm, I could, like I'd love to. I've never played D and D myself. But I'd, like. How great would it be if your first entry into D and D was sort of going down into this creepy basement, being like, "Oh, what what horrors are going to await me here?" And then it's like Vin Diesel and Judy Dench waiting for you down there. That would be awesome. Yeah. So he, if he wants his sequel, we can do that as a favor. Yeah. Or we could we could use that as the bait, and then once Sensations is made and we have all the money from that, we can just go and live on a private island and ignore him. No, I'd want to. I'd want to. Um, make it up to him he's but a, he's a good man his old vin he does he seems like a decent enough bloke doesn't he vin Diesel? yeah yeah definitely um yeah i'd be keen to 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 make his his D dreams a reality yeah well, could we cast cal as someone else then would he need like an assistant a sort of grumpy grumpy assistant character a sort of a butler yeah or or um or like his his um his agent maybe because if he is going to be a competitive eater, maybe he needs someone who knows the scene quite well. Mm. Um, kind of like a Woody Harrelson from the Hunger Games kind of thing. Ah, oh, where that also, that's also a really good performance. I think actually that performance really makes that film for me, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a huge lover of the Hunger Games movies in general, but I always find the first half of them is phenomenal. And then when they reach the actual Hunger Game, I'm like, oh, oh uh, I have no interest in this anymore. Yeah. It's just a bunch of kids running around on an island and like killing each other. And like, if I'm going to watch that, I'll go and watch um, Battle Royale. Uh, Battle Royale, or I'll go and watch The Running Man of Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I, is kind of the same kind of. I've still not death seen that. Game. Have you not? It's, no. it's amazing. The book is Imagine, on my shelf. Yeah, the the book is really depressing. Um like very very depressing the kind of it's it's written by stephen king under a pseudonym mm-hmm. richard backman which is what he used to write things that didn't quite fit the stephen king brand yeah and also to like prove to people that he wasn't something he created under a different name would still be popular and still be successful yeah um but then it got it got turned into this into this dystopian action movie with with arnold schwarzenegger which is one of my favorite films of all time and it basically involves arnie being sent down into a version of the gladiators, but with people actually killing each other. 
including the spandex costumes. Awesome. And and um, it's all framed around like a TV show, like a sort of game show where people put bets on which of these contestants is going to die next and stuff like that. And it's really funny. So it's like, you will die satir- on my first whistle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, and there's this great bit where um, it's kind of like the generation game where the further people get through the competition based on their bet, they keep winning stuff that gets given to them in from like someone in the crowd keeps winning stuff. And so they're like, here you go. You've won the running burn bo- uh, home board game, and, like hands it over to them and stuff like that. It's really, it's very nice satirical look at like violence on television. That sounds that kind very of thing. cool. It is. And it's all wrapped around extreme violence and Arnold Schwarzenegger one liners. So it's even better. That sounds, that sounds great. But it doesn't have romance in it. No, so so that doesn't sound should, very romantic. Yes, so we, we should to, we shouldn't be talking about it, really. Yeah, I think we need to get back on back onto the waitress track. Yeah, let's see what else. What else did I did I look at? Okay, the music. I want to talk about the music because it's um, at first you it starts with the adorable pie music, which is lovely, and you think it's all going to be like that, and then there isn't much for quite a while mm. until I think there's the kind of kissing love scenes, and then there's like really loud epic choral music. Which is kind of a cheap, yeah, a cheap yeah. shot, um, but that rubs up against the sort of um, lo-fi indie soundtrack of some of the other more tender moments. I don't know what the song was when they when she's in the kitchen with Nathan Fillion and they're baking the pie, and that was like a really tender, lovely scene. And I loved that song. And I was trying to find. I was actually before we were starting here, I was googling trying to work out what it was, and I couldn't find it. But yeah, most of the kind of lo-fi indie stuff really worked, and it made you not mind so much when. Like Ode to Joy suddenly came on when she was kissing him. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's quite a a strange mixture. The soundtrack to the film. It kind of, like you said, it kind of jumps all over the place. Um, but it kind of works in that it sort of grabs your attention at the points where it needs to grab your attention, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, I can see why it worked, why why they chose this. Yeah, the and there's the the song. There's like. Obviously, once she like decides that she's enjoying sex with the Doctor, then she has to have a kind of groovy, sexy pop montage. And the song is by the band Cake. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a very funny song. Um, so like, she's got her handbag or whatever. And that, that, <laughs> yeah, that song, yeah. like, I enjoyed that quite a lot. Um, it's again, it's kind of a cheap trope to associate like sex and groovy pop music. But it's again, it, it made me chuckle when a chuckle was needed at that point in the film. I think. Yeah, definitely. There was all these little mo- like I think it towed the line quite well between the comedy and the drama aspects of it. So you never felt like you were too um, too sort of strung up on the on the drama side, but at the same time, you never felt like you were too far gone into the comedy that it didn't seem real anymore. Yeah. That's that's a good point. It wasn't too much comedy without the the romance. Um, can we talk about old Joe? Because he's kind of he's essential to the whole plot. Really, he felt a bit like a bit of a plot device to me. Like you could tell that he, somehow it was going to be him. And as soon as they said that he was ill, so this is Joe who owns the pie shop. As soon as they said that he was ill and he was going to go in the hospital, I knew that like he would die at the same time as the baby was born because that's such an yeah, obvious yeah. like cliche that yeah you knew that was going to happen yeah he was he was kind of there he was the macguffin of the movie really yeah that he sort of but at the same time he sort of said 
quite a lot of nice things and lots of interesting things. And he had some of the great laugh out loud moments of it as well. So um, yeah. when, when, when Jenna's like, oh, don't tell anyone about the baby. And then immediately he's just like, the baby! <laughs> just out of nowhere. Yeah. Just, no, it's a good, it's a good performance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But there was one very, very tender line that I that I really liked, which is um, when he's like giving her advice at the wedding, and they're dance, there's like slow dancing at the wedding, which is quite a lovely scene. And he's he's saying, to, you know, you should start fresh, and it's never too late. Listen to me, I'm an old man. Um, and he says, um, he says you could do this, you could do that. Um, and he says, you know, I was just dreaming a little for you because all my dreams are gone. Yeah, yeah. There's there's lots of. I think one of the real highlights of the film was there's, there's quite a lot of sweet lines in it that kind of had these sort of moments of truth in it where like another good one um, is um, is the uh, the bit where Jenna's like, um, baby, I hope someone holds on to you for 20 minutes and that's all they do and that kind of thing. There's There's quite a lot of like nice little snippets in there. Yeah, she writes in the journal to the baby, but it doesn't. It only sort of comes up once or twice and doesn't become like a huge focus when it, it that could easily have been kind of really drawn out. Yeah, yeah. Because at just first she didn't little... want the baby. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a it's another little moment of just a neat idea that they quickly put into the film without it becoming too important and a part of it that it becomes integral to the whole thing. Yeah, a lot of it felt like that actually. Like, like she had kind kind of the basic plot of the baby and the doctor and the abusive husband, and I don't know how it emerged, but obviously, yeah, when she was writing it, maybe just a lot of sort of ideas came in, and she just decided to chuck them in. And because it's quite an easy, solid story, you could do that without it being too much of an imposition, I guess. Yeah, because uh, what's quite interesting is that the film never really, it doesn't really go anywhere if you know what i mean not in a bad way it doesn't it doesn't have sort of like these big huge moments in there apart from the birth of the baby at the end it kind of it stays in one location pretty much just in between or rather in between the diner her home doctor's office and that's pretty much the three places where the movie happens over the course of this nine month period yeah um and so it's quite interesting the way that they did that. And I think these little moments like the journal um, help make it seem more than the like story kernel lets on. You're right, actually. And there's so much, I think, tied up in the the settings and the, the scenes and the places that, that actually I didn't even clock that there were so few locations whereas even in Mm. your average kind of romantic comedy there'd be all sorts of locations that'd be walking down the street or whatever in a certain town or city or whatever but yeah there were very few locations so the Mm. there was no kind of action deriving from them and i hadn't really even clocked that that's a good point yeah it doesn't have the obligatory chase to the airport no (laughs) Um, although i realize now that we um we've kind of Without putting a spoiler alert in, we have, we have spoiled a lot of the movie. Oh yeah, no, I um I added a spoiler alert at the beginning of episode one. I, um, after we were done, I think I'm going to do that for every single one and just say, you know, this. That's probably a good idea. I mean, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, people would have that shock of where the killer robots turn up and steal <laughs> all the pies taken away from them. Yeah, no, the the moment when the the flubber beast 
<laughs> bursts out <laughs> of the kitchen <laughs> and consumes everything. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to ruin that. Totally. It's weird how they made the choice of turning this cute um, romantic drama into a body horror movie for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's a strange choice, but I think it worked. Well, this is what this is what millennials want. <laughs> I want I want my my nice story about pies in the south of America and I also want my remake of the thing and I want it in one place right now. Yeah, we're all nihilistic. We don't have we don't have time to separate our romantic content and our horror content. We just want it all right now. We're greedy. <laughs> definitely. That's that's what I want out of film. Yeah, definitely. So, um yeah, what, let's see what other things that I wrote down. As um, Nathan Fillion's last scene after she's kind of said, you know, it's over. She's in the chair, um, and he's kind of squatting down, and she gives him a cake, um, and I think it's it's wrapped up in plastic. It's like a hostess cake that they have in America. And it's like like it's one she didn't bake. It's maybe just like one of the hospital cakes. It's not quite clear, but I I felt like the implication was that she didn't make it. So she was giving him this cake as a way of saying, here's the thing that we shared together, but it's not as good as the thing that made us like really love. It was like, because there was so much symbolism tied up in the, the cakes and the, the pies that just giving him a little cake to eat as a parting gift. That was quite a neat way to say, yeah, I'll, I'll always feel something for this, but ultimately I need to move on with my life. And then he stands there and he's in the back of the scene while they're wheeling away. Um, and she's kind of telling them, oh yeah, I had an affair with him and stuff, and they're all they're all like mock outraged, and he's just standing there in the background of the scene, just kind of awkwardly eating this cake <laughs> silently. <laughs> and I felt like that was actually the perfect way to end his character's screen time is it's just kind of silently, awkwardly, slowly eating this cake. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, is is quite a an, a an unexpected way to end it, and I've never seen it quite done that way in a film before where he is kind of just stood there and yeah. like he doesn't he, he doesn't know what to do as as everyone else goes on with their with their part of the story and he's kind of just doesn't yeah he's just stood there eating yeah because he's kind of a bit passive i guess yeah i think he relies quite a lot on as a character he relies quite a lot on um on jenna to instigate quite a lot of things yeah um and then when he does instigate it so when he so he he turns up at the at the diner to get a piece of pie and she's very unhappy that he's he's come there i don't know if you remember that yeah yeah so that he ends and then i think if i remember rightly everything after that moment when they wheel out is is silent um because she's she's opened the card from Joe who's dead, and of course it contains a check for a shitload of money because a load of money solves everything, um, and that just ties up everything. Because how else is she going to both r- open her own lovely pie shop and start winning pie competitions? Because you know we did we never got to Chekhov's pie. It's still like we've got so far in, and the pie competition dream has been crushed by Earl. So we're still left thinking, is she going to do the pie competition? Obviously she is. Um, but yeah, the whole of the, the end is pretty much, is I think after that moment, it is all silent. There's no more dialogue. It's just a lovely little cute montage. And I thought that tied it up and bookended it nicely with the opening. Yeah, it did. Um, I'm still disappointed I didn't get my my pie competition. 
I know. I wanted to, I wanted to see I wanted to see a nice sort of like Rocky esque training montage. <laughs> yeah, as as British people, there's nothing we like more than a baking competition, right? I mean, it's it's an essential part of being British. Yeah, definitely, definitely, it's a great British Bake Off. Yeah. Is kind of the entirety of British culture instilled into one program. Yeah. I have to say that her her pie at the end, if you could even call it that, it's essentially a big pastry full of like whipped cream with some fruit on top. Definitely looked like it had a soggy bottom. <laughs> some somewhere, poor Hollywood has started frothing at the mouth as you said that. <laughs> yeah, he's walking down the road in his biker gear and he's he's livid. Do you reckon, right? Guy Fieri and Paul Hollywood came out of the same cloning facility. Oh my god, I never thought about that. He's like the they sort both of got, stonewashed version of yeah, Guy he's Fieri. The, he's the he's the British it, Paul Hollywood is like the sleazy uncle and Guy Fieri is the fun uncle. Yeah. When you go to a family reunion. Yeah, so yeah, Guy Fieri's the one who like take you to the ball pits and take you to the zoo and like buy you the experience of being a keeper for the day. And then he'll, he'll let you choose whatever you want in the restaurant and like fill up at the pizza hut ice cream Sunday thing, you know, where you put all the sweets on. He'll be like, yeah, pile on the smarties. Whereas yeah, Paul Hollywood will just like ask you if you've got a girlfriend yet when you're 12 or (laughs) (laughs) that kind of thing, which means that we need to fit him into sensations somewhere. I feel like he's a sort of he's like a mecha he's like mecha guy Fieri he's like like Metal Sonic <laughs> Metal Metal Guy Fieri yeah. um, I, or like he, he's like I the think... demon version that Guy Fieri has to confront and defeat before he can yeah progress in the competition he's like a sort of mini boss I think we go down the route that they're actually brothers yeah and and Paul Hollywood is the slick one who got a professional cooking contract. And Guy Fieri's the one who always wanted it, but he played too fast and loose and wanted to do things his own way. He was reckless. He, Yeah, he, you know, there was that terrible incident back in 97 with the soufflés. Oh, we yeah. don't talk about the soufflé incident. <laughs> That's only told in flashbacks <laughs> until the final round of the eating competition where they have to eat soufflés and then oh. he has to confront his demons. He has to overcome his fear. Damn. Like I, like I said last time, this shit writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, we'll get poor Hollywood on board. We'll get Vin Diesel. We we'll get Cal. Yeah, this is this is taking quite this is taking quite good shape. It's yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. Yeah, it's definitely getting there. So I think I think we need Greg Wallace though. Oh man, Greg Wallace, <laughs> former greengrocer Greg Wallace. Uh, but I don't know where we'd fit him in, though. I think that's something we need to think about. I feel like he'd just be episode. some kind of comedy bit part, wouldn't he? He wouldn't be. Yeah. I don't feel like a, a main a main character. I mean, he's he's too he's too busy anyway, so he's not going to have the time. But yeah, he'll be some kind of comedy shop owner or or something that we can throw in for a couple of cheap laughs. I'd, I'd love him to be the DJ <laughs> at the end, playing buttery biscuit bass. Oh, you mean, you mean like you like how in Rat Race they at the end they go, "Oh my God, it's Smash Mouth!" They go, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, after Smashed Biscuits have done their performance, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, DJ Greg Wallace playing over the credits. 
<laughs> just going, what a bass, 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 bass. I want a better rebus, good bass. <laughs> oh, I'm, I thought that was going to be about vegetables, and I'm glad that it wasn't. <laughs> Have you have you not heard Battery Biscuit Bass before? I'm sure I have, yeah. But I, I think it that's going to be appropriate to, the... to Greg Wallace oh, right. and his yes. his career as a greengrocer. <laughs> is that a profession that even still exists? Greengrocers, yeah. Um, it sounds like a, just yeah. a sort of very specific running a shop that sells a very limited range of food products that is too limited really to be of that much use. No, we. Down in the sticks here, we do get greengrocers. Yeah. Um, it's often sort of like uh, stalls that set up rather than inside an actual shop. They'll have like stalls inside like a like a like a shopping centre, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So like instead of the um the irritating people who try and sell you sky broadband, you've got a little greengrocer in there. Have a fucking carrot. <laughs> Take a carrot. That sounds that sounds good. Yeah. Oh, it does it have to be like a, a carrot subscription? They're all on subscription models now. The green graces. Yeah, for that for, for the first twelve months, you get fifteen carrots a month. Yeah. For for only five pound, but oh. after that they bump up the price. Yeah. We and should... they take away the they take away the carrot Wi-Fi. <laughs> carrot Wi-Fi is yeah. Well, it's it's carrot and stick, isn't it? <laughs> we should. Exactly. Um... Literal, yeah. That that's what that happens after twenty four months are up. Is they send you carrots, but they also throw sticks at you whenever you leave the house. Yeah, Greg Wallace comes around to your house and hits you with a stick. <laughs> that's why he can't do too much filming because he's too busy hitting people with sticks. Yeah, yeah. He's got all of these contracts to fulfil. Yeah, all the stick contracts. <laughs> we should get um a greengrocer to sponsor this podcast. Yes, I like it. Because I've been thinking about sponsorship. This is always the question when you have a, a, a massively successful podcast is who do you get to sponsor you? Because, you know, I don't just want to be squ- sponsored by Squarespace like every other podcast. I think we need to find like a really good, cool and romantic sponsor. I think we need to get in touch with Food Network and get F- Guy Fieri actually on board as our sponsor. Yeah. I think Given that we spend a good 15% romance. of our time talking about Guy Fieri anyway. This is true. I'm not going to do the maths on that right now, but I think it's definitely at least 15%. And and it would cement the deal for sensations to happen. Yeah. As if we were true. offering something in return. Well, I mean, once once that really takes off, we're going to we're going to get the Hollywood sponsors, you know. We're going to we're going to be big. We're going to be um all over the Instagram influencers, you know. We're going to do our own fire festival except it's going to be Fieri Festival. <laughs> Smash biscuit to headline. <laughs> DJ Greg Wallace will close the second <laughs> night. Well, no, he'll do the silent disco all night. Yeah, silent disco with Greg Wallace. Yeah. God, I don't know if this is an even better idea than Sensations. Yeah, whether we should be we should be working on that first. Yeah. We could sort of tie uh, it in. Maybe there could be a part of the film that is shot there. Yeah, I mean, it could be a big, it could be live music and eating competitions festival. Oh yeah, exactly. Again, plus this... plus DJ Greg Wallace. <laughs> DJ Greg Wallace, yeah, he strikes me as even though he has Master Chef pedigree, he strikes me as a man who'd lose a competitive eating contest and be very unhappy about it. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be he'd be livid. Yeah, 
So, well, this podcast is sponsored by the forthcoming Fieri Festival. You heard it here first, Instagram influencers. Get in touch with us go, and we'll go. give you all our money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give us give us some money and we'll make a decent festival. Yeah. Give us your money instead of us giving you our money. That's that's how it works, usually. Sponsor this podcast. Yes. Come 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 sponsor the podcast. It will definitely be worth your while. Yeah. Um so yeah, let's let's wrap up on Waitress. Um I love that the last scene was silent and obviously she got the diner and won the pie contest, so it all came true for her. Um in the way that feels right for a film that's a bit quirky but not trying to do anything really off the wall with the story. You wanted that catharsis and you got it. But I thought it was weird that she she did or not weird, maybe, that she chose to just use the same diner. Because Joe gave her loads of money. It didn't say that he gave her the diner as well, but maybe he left her the diner as well. But it's like, she could have gone anywhere. And a lot of the time when she's talking about dreams and stuff, she wants to move away. Um, yeah. And she stay, decides to stay put. Yeah, I thought it was an odd thing, that. I mean, I don't know whether that's partly down to the limitations of budget, maybe. Yeah. And, like, it's quite cathartic to see that transformation of the of the diner into something new as well. So you get that kind of, like finality um as a viewer which might help yeah i guess that um, kind of goes back to the location thing doesn't it how yeah, um, the, yeah there are so few locations that they become really embedded in the viewer's mind while they're watching the film that it would have been jarring i guess to move to a new location at that point yeah so you get to see what what the diner could have become had um had jenna been able to have what she wanted with life in the first instance yeah. So yeah, it it ends quite nicely there. So I think overall I would say that I enjoyed watching it. It wasn't um it wasn't electrifying. I don't know that I'd ever bother watching it again, but there was there was a certain charm to it that I think I feel like it definitely deserves its cult classic status that it seems to have. I mean, it's it's got an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Yeah, I'd give it a solid 15 slightly garish looking pies out of 20. <laughs> yeah, 15 flubber pies. I'd, I'd say that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's our new scale. The pies out of 20. Pies out of 20. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely recommend watching it. Um, and, yeah, make up your own mind. If you, if you do watch it and you enjoy it or don't enjoy it or whatever, let us know. Um, same with 10 Things I Hate About You or any of the, the other films. We do want to hear from you at bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com and on Twitter at bigboysdon'tpod. Um, thanks for everyone who's already sent in some suggestions um, and that kind of thing. Our list is now ever-expanding, which is great. I'm really, really excited to keep to keep doing this. Yeah, it's been great to get the feedback we've had so far on it. Um, it's really nice to know that people have been listening and have been sort of joining into the discussion so yeah keep it coming absolutely keep it coming um i was gonna say something definitely very profound oh yeah it's your choice of film next so oh yes so i've given it some thought and i think i'd like to go to a, a modern sort of classic of the era and how would you feel about watching bridesmaids with me Oh yeah, I would love to watch that. I've seen that a couple of times. 
yeah, I don't. Yeah, I won't. Don't want to share anything. I guess, but yeah, that would that be that'd be very good actually, um, because it got quite a good reception at the time. But I think did divide people a little bit, and that's one that is firmly that's the the comedy is the important thing, isn't it? It's a real kind of screwball comedy. Yeah, that yeah, be great. Yeah. Cool. That, okay. That so, is a very very good out. idea. Cool. Um, and yeah, to the people who suggested this in that film, don't worry, we will definitely get to it soon if you made a specific request. But yeah, yep, we're already on the for list. Next time, that's that is a very very good idea. Um, in terms of actually very serious things of not well sort of part sponsorship, I also just wanted to mention a couple of our other projects, um, which is firstly that we play together in a band called Palomino Club. Um, if you're based in London, we have a show next week. Uh, we're going to put this out on Friday this week, I think. Um, so that'll be yeah Wednesday, the week after this podcast comes out on the Friday at the Good Ship in Kilburn. If you're around, come down. We're like an 80s pop band. You know, we're pretty good. You know, I think we could say that. Yeah, I think we can say we're, we're good. Yeah, I play guitar. Rob plays bass. We're, yeah, yeah, so come on down. Yeah, definitely it's, come it's... on down if you're free there. It's cheap as well. It's four pound entry, which you know these days, especially with the pound, you know, as it, in as volatile a state it is, that's that's a very good way to spend four pounds. Yeah. Would you rather buy four bad movies from Poundland, or would you rather <laughs> come have a night of pure excitement? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, did you ever buy like any of those Poundland DVDs? Yes. Um, one Christmas. Um we had a very limited budget on buying secret Santa gifts. I think it was like four quid or three quid or something. So all I did was I went down and chose three of the worst looking uh, Christmas movies from Poundland. And then that was the person's secret Santa. Awesome. Yeah. When it gets to Christmas, we, um, as I think I said this to you before, but the plan is that we're going to watch a whole day of Christmas 24. (laughs) Oh yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, which is what the Hallmark Channel becomes when it's the Christmas months. Um, yeah, we should we should get onto the Hallmark Channel at some point as well because that is amazing. But yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll get together and we'll do it live and we'll yeah we'll do a whole thing of Christmas twenty four. But yeah, the Pound Poundland DVDs. I don't think I ever bought any, but um, friend of the podcast Adam Molesky bought one of James Brown live, and it was actually quite good. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's your hot tip. I think there's ba- there's been this sort of odd, interesting thing in Poundland. I don't know if I've ever bought anything there for myself. Um, but they did have once I was in there. And um, did you ever watch the show Daria? Yeah, was I love Daria. Yeah. They had sort of like three episode DVDs of that in there once. Sweet. I was like, what is Daria doing in Poundland? Because <laughs> that's not like, very many episodes, but you feel like for a pound, you know, 33.3p for an episode, that's not too bad, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was like, hmm. I was kind of tempted by that. But yeah, yeah. apart from that, I, I just thought that was a very weird thing to see in a Poundland, given that the the show peaked in popularity about five years previously and pretty much not in England at all. Yeah. Just wondering where they managed to source these DVDs from. It was on MTV2, wasn't it, Daria? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I miss MTV2. Those were the days. Although MTV now has one of my favourite TV shows on it. Spring Break with Granddad. <laughs> no. I that is no an actual show. 
That is an actual show. Is <laughs> yeah, it? I didn't just make I... that up. That is a real show on MTV. I think it's MTV. Okay. I, I, I need to watch that, but it also has this show called Just Tattoo of Us. Oh, Have you yeah. Heard about Just Tattoo I've of seen, Us? I keep seeing the trailers on there, but I haven't watched it. It's got um, Charlotte Crosby off of Geordie Shore. Has yeah. it? And some other. Is it all Geordie Shore people? I think I think it's yeah her her boyfriend I think is the other um is the other um presenter and and for those of you who've not seen this show who are listening in um it's like changing rooms but with tattoos um so someone goes in with their best friend or their partner or their dad or their brother or their sister um and they have to design each other's tattoos and then the other party's not allowed to see the tattoo that's been designed for them until it's already been put on their body. And some of them and then are they do a, so bad. It's so good. It's one of the most excellent trash TV shows I've ever seen in my life. Um, one of my favourites that I've seen so far um, was someone who... Uh, these, these two best friends who went on it, and um, each of them got the other's ex-girlfriend tattooed on their friend and the reaction was just it was so bad it's phenomenal another another one which i think might tickle you paddy is um this this boyfriend and girlfriend went on and the boyfriend chose to get will you marry me tattooed on the girl and it's all like oh that's really sweet i mean it wasn't a very good tattoo it it looked a bit crap but um she she said yes and everyone was really happy and then it came for his tattoo to be unveiled (laughs) And what she'd chosen to get was a trumpet tattooed on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like um coming out of the anus or it, no i mean uh, the the general idea was your your bum is a trumpet, um but Which it was kind true. of like a sort of flowery flaming trumpet. <laughs> tattooed on his bum and it, it, it's just the dichotomy of the two is just one of the it's so funny, and I think he took it quite good naturedly. Um, that's good but yes watch that it's 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 amazing cool that's your yeah it's your trash tv recommendation definitely make time in your schedule for that um and the only other thing i wanted to mention was your other podcast easy bites um it's mental health awareness week this week and you've done a very candid episode um about your experience with depression um it moved me quite a lot listening to it on my way back home from work just now thank you um and it's very informative um about you know what depression is what people think about it and how to deal with it and that kind of thing so you don't have to talk about it now but i wanted to say that people should definitely go and listen to that yeah i i I, the podcast is normally just um based around video game topics and it's very short episodes i don't think any of them have been over 20 minutes long um but because it's mental health awareness week i've been doing quite a lot at my my day job um around it and i've been doing lots of presentations there um and sort of sharing my story across other sites across the company that i work for um and i just thought i'd like to do that elsewhere as well because it's still one of those things where where piers morgan who's an odious oh. toad of a man um shared something the other day just on the brink of mental health week of all time saying oh men shouldn't open up about their feelings and men need to act like men and man up and it's just like dude oh. You're such an idiot. Um, so I thought, you know, Century it's a good time to actually, idiot. it's just a good time to actually share my story. And it's not anything that I've ever felt ashamed about sharing. So if it, it the feedback I've had from people at work who I've talked to about it have all uh, has been that it's helped them. 
So I thought if I can possibly help other people understand it better or make them feel that they don't need to wait to get help, then it's worth it. So please give that a listen um, and let me know what your thoughts are. Yeah, please do. That's very good. So we're sponsored this week by Easy Bytes. That's bytes with a Y, like a computer byte. So that's that's going to be it for us this week. Um, join us again next week um, when we'll be talking about bridesmaids. And yeah, like we said earlier, do get in touch. Follow us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod and email us uh, Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com. And thank you so much for listening. Um, we hope you have a romantic week. Yes, have a lovely romantic week. Eat lots of pie. Speak in a southern accent. Yeah, make make up and- as many pies as you can. And meet someone called Ogie. Yeah. That's, that's your challenge. Yeah, we need you to find... If you know anyone called Ogie or whatever, um, please send them, direct them to us because we need we need proof that this is a real name. Sure, it doesn't matter what it's short for, but if it's short for Oklahoma, that's ideal. If it's relate, related to the hoagie sandwich, that's also good. But yeah, we, need, we want to find a real hoagie. So yeah, get on Twitter, hashtag find Ogie, not Hoagie. <laughs> find a real Ogie. <laughs> I could just go to Subway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, hashtag find Ogie and hashtag sensations if you have any ideas for how we can further our um, film treatment that is now taking quite good shape. I think we're making very good progress on that as well. I, I think so too, yeah. Yeah. So all right, have a good week and we'll see you next time. All right, bye-bye. Bye.